Well, this is uh, the beginning of a new series of messages that will take us uh, through this month and maybe even into the first uh, week into May. Learning how to love local, uh, 727, and thinking about that from a, a very northwest Arkansas kind of feel and flavor. Whenever you hear the message topic of, of the very first message, you might think, what? This does not even go together. It doesn't fit. In reality, though, I think before we can talk about loving others well, loving our enemies, as the Scripture is going to challenge us to do, I think we have to struggle with another object of love, another person of love, another noun out there, and that, that person being yourself. Now, again, before you zone out and say, what kind of message is this? I wanted to be challenged or whatever about the love local thing. I want to bring it back to learning how to love ourselves well. Because you know, I think it will make sense when we get into Matthew 22, and you'll be finding that in a moment. Uh, we'll be there in just a moment in, in a passage. Uh, but, but loving ourselves and understanding how to love ourselves will only enable us to love others more fully and completely. I don't know, and there's a tension in this. I don't know if you even feel it as I'm struggling through this, is because the tension is this, is when you think about loving yourself, you think about focusing on yourself. That's where you go. You, and it's not. It's, it's loving self. It's not. It's focusing on self versus loving self. And there's a, there's a, there, there are oceans apart at the same time because the tension is so strong in our own hearts we're being pulled back to this focusing on self. And when we do that, we make ourselves the, the center of the universe, which Eastern religions really favor in that area. And if you were to just study religion and philosophy in America, you would see that Eastern religion is penetrating the West quite effectively and that we are becoming a very uh, self-absorbed, self-centered. Buddhism believes that there's no one supreme being, that there's a little God in all of us and you just need to awaken the little deity inside of you. And that that thought pervades our culture today to the point that religion or spirituality is about self and less about God. And I don't want to go there. I'm not trying to go to that self-focusing, hedonistic, self-absorbed kind of approach to life. I'm not going there at all. In fact, the Scripture speaks about that. Jesus told His disciples, hey, if you want to follow Me, you're going to have to deny yourself. And so, but then it creates the tension again. Loving self and then denying self. How do you do that? How do you pull that, pull, pull that, that, that Houdini act off together? Loving self while loving God, and loving God first and foremost, and loving others is, is striking this balance. Getting a full picture of the love story, okay, of God and how it's supposed to all fit together is important. Matthew chapter 22, I told you we'd be finding that. That is one of the passages three times mentioned. Uh, Mark complements the exact same passage in, in Mark chapter 12 in the same scenario. There's another time in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus gives the same directive. In a different situation, different scenario, a man comes up to Jesus and says, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus turns around and says, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. And, and, and by the way, the second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. But in another situation, when Jesus with the Sadducees and, 
And the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They were debating about the resurrection. And it comes down to this situation, and this lawyer steps into Jesus' face, trying to test him and push him a little bit. And he asks him this question, uh, you know, uh, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus turns around. Now, this time he does it a little bit different than most of the times you see Jesus in scriptures. Most of the time, Jesus will counter a question with another question. He just kind of keeps the questions going back and forth, keeps the dialogue there. This time he doesn't. He comes straight out. And he goes to the Old Testament. He goes back to the book of Leviticus. And he starts quoting. He says, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 34. And it'll appear on the screen here. And I want us to just read this. But when the Pharisees heard that they were, and he was silenced, uh, the, the Sadducees gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked the question, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Of course, I just said what, it, what he said. He said the first and foremost commandment being to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, everything that is within you. And then he says, but that's the first and greatest commandment. Now, I think it's very interesting, verse 39. Go back to the original question. What's the greatest commandment? He didn't say, what's the greatest commandments? He didn't ask for plurality. I mean, he didn't ask for the top five. He asked for the top commandment. So why is it, unless it's a very important part of the whole proceedings here, why is it that Jesus gave two and not just one? I think it's vitally important that we understand that life flows not out of law, but out of love. Whether you're in a relationship with God, it should flow from love. And in and out of love. Whether you are in relationship with people, it's not about the law, it's about love. And you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is an important process here that we go through. These are the two commandments that depend all the law and all the prophets. And we just spent some time, I know, talking through the Ten Commandments. But I want us to come and I want us to focus on the Second Commandment. And kind of let that be the springboard into the rest of this series as he tells us to love our neighbor. Now, who's our neighbor? We're going to talk about that next week. Who is our neighbor next week? This week, I want to talk about the comparison because he gives us both an action and a standard for that action. For example, he says, hey, you got to love God first and foremost. That's number one, Uno, out there. If you're going to do anything in this world, you got to love God, know God, love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and even in Luke it says strength. Everything that is within you. All right, we passed that one. Maybe let's go on. And let's go on to number two. You're supposed to also love others. But how are you supposed to love others? It gives us a standard again. Love others like you love yourself. Now truly, I'll tell you right now, whenever I was this message was in the think tank, prayer tank, if you will, this is the first passage I came to. And I was immediately going to jump into the series and I was going to talk about how to love your neighbor. I'm not. I'm doing that next week. But I couldn't get past the comparison there. He said, you're supposed to love your neighbor. And let me just add in there, in an amplified version, in the same manner, at the same standard that you love yourself. And I think we have to understand how to properly love ourselves. So we're not hedonistic, focused, self-centered Buddhist today. That we're truly not the God of our own little universe. But that we truly learn how to love beautifully ourselves in a healthy, well-balanced way, in a way that you want your children to live their life. 
and love themselves as well. Hey, listen, love's the theme throughout Scripture. You can't get away from it. In fact, if you just do your own Bible study, and you'll find that 62 out of the 66 books of the Bible points to love being admonished, being encouraged, being propositioned to us. 62 of the 66 books of the Bible, it speaks of love. But also it goes on. In the book of Psalms, the largest book in the Bible, 151 times it talks about love, but one of the smallest books in the Bible, 24 times in the little bitty first John. Love is a theme, a constant. And, and we're told to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, but sometimes I don't see people loving themselves all that well. In fact, I see some people loving themselves like a train wreck the way they treat themselves, the way they feel about themselves, the way they perceive themselves. God calls you the temple of God if you're a child of Him. And then He dwells in you. You're not a dumpster fire. Alright? There is hope. You're not a sack of wasted human flesh. There is something about you. And having and living out a very healthy relationship with God, but also understanding how to love ourselves is important. Now, the thing is, is Matthew doesn't go much further than that. It doesn't amplify on that. How do you love yourself and it, to set that, that bar? So I want to go to the Old Testament. Go be finding in your Bibles the book of Proverbs. You've got the big Psalms in the middle of the Bible. Turn left. Go, uh, or excuse me, turn right and you'll find um, the book uh, of Proverbs. And um, you find Proverbs, find chapter 3, and probably a very familiar passage of Scripture for many uh, but I want us to think about it between a father and a son. Now, again, I don't know about your father-son relationship or your daughter-mother relationship growing up, so I know I may be kind of rewriting a little bit here. But uh, let's, let's try to imagine a healthy father-son relationship and what that might look like and what that might be. I would think a father would want, a very, would want the very best for his son. And so we're going to look at a passage that gives us several challenging statements of a father to a son that helps that son hopefully move forward in life and live well. And I, I'm, I'm building from that to learn how to love ourselves well. If we will listen to the wisdom of this father as if it's our heavenly father, then I think we will do these, these, these propositions that well, they're proverbs to us, okay? Now, not every proverb is a promise. You've got to know that. Proverbs are not all promises, but I will say this, there are times that Proverbs are promises. And I'm going to subjectively insert and believe that if we will do these conditions, that we will receive these responses, these promises, cause and effect, if you will. Now, one of the things you've got to understand, there's over 2,000 promises in the Bible, most of them unclaimed by mankind, sad to say, because before most of the promises are conditions. Okay, we all want to be a, live a blessed life, but we sometimes don't want to do what it takes to be blessed. All right, so in each one of these things that we're about to read, you're going to read a charge from a father to a son. From a father to a son. And hey, if you will do this, this will be the outcome of that. And so kind of listen to it as a father again would be speaking to you. And let me just ask this question, okay? Pause. We pause on the Proverbs talk for just a moment. I want you to answer this question in your mind. What would it look like to live a blessed, loved, well life for yourself? 
and I maybe a confusing question, so let me rephrase it. What does it look like to love yourself? Again, I'm going to put in my subjective, I'm, I'm the one on the stage, I'm going to put in my subjectivity to this for just a moment, so you just wrestle with that question for the rest of the week. But you come up with your own conclusion. But I would think, I would think, my, my, my thought, I would think that if I could improve the quality of my life and the quantity of my life, that that would probably be a pretty good way to take care of myself and to love myself. Quality and quantity. Well, I want you to look for that in this passage of Scripture because I think you see it. Proverbs chapter 3, hopefully you've found that. Let me begin reading again, Father to a son. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. So notice what he's saying here. Hey, listen, son, listen in here. There's some directions here that I really want you to go. And what does he say from this? For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. All right, let's keep going. I'll come back to that verse in a moment. Let steadfast love and faithfulness, uh, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 5 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will He do? Here's the promise He will make your, uh, straight your paths. Here's another condition. Be not. Wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Here's the promise. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with the wealth, with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So four different times he says, son, do this, son, do this. And by the way, when you do that, this will be the outcome, cause and effect, condition, promise. So if you're going to love yourself and increase the quality and quantity of your life, look back at verse 2 that we just read. Son, if you'll do what I'm telling you, if you'll listen in, if you'll lean in, if you'll pay attention to what I'm saying to you, what will happen? The length of days, the years of life, and the peace, they will be added to you. As a good proverb out there, if you want to extend the quality and the quantity of your life, if you really want to love yourself well, then pay attention, son, to what I'm about to tell you because this is going to add value to your life. You're going to see peace in your life. You're going to have better days in your life. Life will be better for you. That's a way you can love yourself. Now, again, I think of loving myself. I think of a day at the spa, a beach vacation. I think of a shopping spree, some retail therapy. All that kind of stuff does add some little sensation and excitement to your life. But listen. If that's where you love yourself and that's all you do to love yourself, you are on a sensation roller coaster ride. You got to love yourself deeper than that. And when you love yourself deeper, hopefully like a father to a son, like a friend to a to a to another friend, you will be able to love others like a neighbor to a neighbor. You will learn how to love others well because you've loved yourself well. So we talk about four unforgettable ways of loving well in your life, if you will. One is establish and protect your character. Number one, establish and protect your character. Now, as you, as you look at this, I want you to, before we go back into reading the, the text and refreshing there, there's a lot of things in life that will be taken from you. You can live in a nice home and it burned down to Mars. 
you can be healthy, fit, and strong, and be active in this world, and go to the doctor tomorrow and get a different, different diagnosis. You could be in a great relationship and think everything's going fine, and then all of a sudden you discover something that you didn't think was there, and you never would have dreamed after 20 years that that would happen to you. You could have everything in this world, and all of a sudden it'd be gone in an instant. Health, relationships, everything, jobs, it could change tomorrow. I'm not trying to put fear in you, I'm just trying to point to one thing that, can, that absolutely you own. And that nobody can take from you, but, but you can surrender it. And that is your character. That is who you are. Who you are deep inside. That you can surrender on your own. See, your character is known as your reputation. Your reputation goes on to become your legacy, the building blocks in which you are remembered. You back into that. Your character feeds your reputation. Your reputation gives the building blocks to your legacy. What is your character today? If you look at this passage, what does he say to this young son, if you will? Verse 3, he says, let steadfast love. Now, one translation says loyalty. Let loyalty and steadfast love, if you will, and let not steadfast love and loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Don't let these things leave you. Don't let, in fact, let me just say this. He goes on to say, listen, I want you to write them on your heart. I want you to wear them around your neck. There's one thing about character. Character is both internal and external. It's internal in that you write it on your heart. It's who you are when nobody's looking. It's who you are. And let me ask you this. If your boss found out something about you that they don't know about right now, could you lose your job over it? Does your, does your spouse know everything about what's going on in your private life, in your private world? Because that's what we're getting at in character. See, there's an internal inscription that needs to be written on your heart, and it's character. Never let it. Don't lose faithfulness and loyalty. Write them on the tablet of your heart, but also there's an external element. It's what is seen. It's what people experience. It goes around your neck. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament times, you know that they wore necklaces. Men wore bling, I guess, if you say, in that day, silver, gold, rubies, whatever. It was a status symbol. Princes and kings would wear them. It was a status symbol of wealth and honor. And who I, who I If you're going to wear something around your neck, son, his father is saying, man, you wear, you, you wear loyalty. You wear faithfulness. Don't let anybody ever question that about you. Wear it on your heart and life. A few years ago, back in the summer uh, of 2010, um, Caleb was turning 16. He's our middle son. And um, we had been doing these ceremony rites of passages all the time, and we still do it with our kids. And, um, he was turning 16, so we were initiating him into manhood. You know, 16, your body's there. I mean, whether or not you're there or not. So we went on this excursion to, to Australia. We went to on Fathering Adventures. An amazing Darren Lewis, founder, great organization, ha, has both this awesome experience of, uh, of adventures, everything from uh, diving on the Great Barrier Reef to, to kayaking in the ocean to, 
to mountain climbing, to whitewater rafting, but at the same time you turn it around and you have these great teaching moments and he makes sure he equips the fathers to go be with the sons, to help pour into them. And so we had this great, this great time together. One of the last adventures that we went on prior to that day, that night, he said, Dad, you need to be thinking about the one challenge you would give your son. The one thing that you want them to leave home with no matter what. That was in July of 2010. In the spring of 2010, God had brought me back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 4. And He had been chipping away at some areas of character and integrity in my own life that I needed to work on. And that I needed to have love and loyalty and I needed to have faithfulness. And it never needed to leave me. It needed to be written on my heart. It needed to be tied around my neck. It needed to be with me inside and outside. I needed to have it all the time. And so whenever I'm sitting there the night before, we're, we're living, literally living in a rainforest. There's kangaroos around. It was an amazing experience. I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to share with him? So we climbed to the top of Mount Tyson the next day. I don't even remember the elevation, but when we got to the top of Mount Tyson, we were literally standing in the clouds. That's why the scenery's not that great. We were in the, in the clouds, and I sat down on a rock at the edge of the mountain, and I read to him. I read to him from verse 3 and 4. I said, Caleb, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie it. Write it on your heart. Tie, tie it around your neck. He said, then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. If you want to be out a businessman, you want to be a politician, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a lawyer, whatever you are, if you are loyal and you are faithful, if you are a man of character, you will be seen well in this world, but you will also be seen well with God. Listen, character. If you want to love yourself, guard your character and make it your legacy. Make it your legacy. Number two, if you want to love yourself well, trust God with your stresses and your successes. Alright? Trust God with your stresses and your successes. Alright, I know we, we're, we're, we're self-made people in America. We, we do it ourselves. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But what that does is it creates this, again, this almost deity complex inside of ourselves to where if we win, it's because of me, and if I lose, it's because of me, and we ride this roller coaster. And in reality, what we should do is the frame of mind that we should come at it is that we should learn to just trust God through it all, through the highs and the lows, through the mountains and the valleys. And I know that that's not easy and it's not natural. But if you will do that, and you will walk and you will be a man or a woman of faith and trust, you will have people come to you wanting to know what you have, what Kool-Aid you've been drinking. Because there's a difference about you because you will not be the average Joe. Because the average Joe is stressed to the hilt, anxious to no end. 19 million Americans are so stressed it's created, a, it's created disorders. Now that's just those who have disorders related to anxiety and stress. We all live in a constant mode of stress. And the problem with that is, is that when you worry, you don't worship. You will either panic or you will pray. You will either fret or you will be a person of faith. You don't want to go that route. Verse 5 and 6, I know it's very familiar to many of you, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust. Circle the word. That's the key word there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. That's the condition. Now here's the promise. He will make straight your paths. God wants to take you. God wants to lead you. But if you're not trusting, you'll never make it to the path. You may never make it to His path. You've got to go back to the very first thing. I want a straight path, God. I want to go on a path, God. God, I want to know your path, God. But I'm not willing to trust you. And again, it creates an anxiety inside of us. Psalm 116, verse 7. And listen, breathe this one in. Let my soul be at rest again. Let my soul be at rest. Some of y'all need to pray that right now. Let my soul be at rest. For the Lord has been good to me. A tranquil heart, says in Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A tranquil heart. You're going to have a hard time finding tranquility and rest for your soul if you are all about you and your path and your destination and your 10-year plan. And you are not trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Not leaning on your own understanding. Listen, I'm all about eating healthier now. I have to say now. I wasn't always. I've got this little phrase I've picked up along the way. It says, I like, I like to eat food that is made by a plant, not made in a plant. Now think about the difference. And that's a good test when you go to the supermarket. Was this made in a plant? Or buy a plant and then and then choose what you eat. But here's the problem. You can be as healthy as an ox. It's not just what you eat. It's what's eating you. And stress and anxiety and fear and worry many times captures us. Don't lean on your own understanding, he warns us. Don't lean on your own understanding. See, unhealthy stress is this. This is a life principle for you. Unhealthy stress is you trying to be God but realizing you're not. It's whenever you're trying to fix the world, then you're not going to fix it. And so you're not God. Listen, stop it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just quit being God. Re return the reins of the universe back over. Okay? Return your world back over to Him. Now what that will require of every single person in this room, no one excluded myself, even is that I am going to have to be in a relationship with God. You really want to love yourself? Be in a faith-trusting relationship with God. Where you say, okay, God, I'm not going to call the shots. I'm, going to not, I'm not going to make your word say something I wanted to say. I'm not going to manipulate it over here in my circumstances so it will say what I want to say. Listen, God, it, it, it's you on the throne and me, me down here, and I'm listening to you. I'm not leaning on my understanding. I'm going with you, God. Listen, that will be one of the best things. Another thing is learn to laugh. Learn to laugh at yourself. Listen, somebody said it like this. If you'll learn to laugh at yourself, you'll never run out of material. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So if you want to love yourself, stop trying to be God and lean and rest on the God, I should say. Number three, stay close and clean. Keep a short list with God. It's a life principle. You just got to keep saying that to yourself. Keep a short list with God. Keep a short list with God. Keep a short list with God. 
What that, what that means is, listen, if it, I don't wait till tonight. I don't wait till I get in trouble. I don't wait till Easter or Christmas or New Year's or something like that to make New Year's resolutions. I get right with God as soon as I mess up. I encourage that of all of us. That's exactly what the Father encouraged the Son to do here in verse 7 and 8. He said, Be not wise in your own eyes. That really goes well with the verses that we just read. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Listen, if you start dabbling in it, it's going to become a part of you. Turn away from evil. Paul told young Timothy, flee from it. Run from it. Here's the promise. Okay, I gave you the condition. Here's the promise. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Listen, if we will keep a short list with God, it will literally be a therapeutic process. I will be better. Life will seem better. Life will smell better. Listen, if I live in this evil world and I live like the world and I don't turn away from it, then I, I am taking it on like a cancer. Like a, like, a, like a virus. I'm taking it on. It becomes a part of me. Doctors have said that if my patients would learn to get rid of the shame, the guilt, the resentment of their life, my workload would be cut in half. Why are they saying that? Because we live with long lists. We live with long offenses. We live with this and we carry it through life. And we think, okay, I've forgiven them, I moved on, but you can't even be in the same room with them. We have this problem with resentment and guilt. See, guilt is what you've done to others. Resentment is what others have done to you. And we carry these things through life, trying to one-up, trying to get even, all that kind of stuff. And it weights us down. We need healing to our flesh, refreshment to our bones. Even David said whenever he, again, we read this a few weeks ago, jot it down, Psalm 32, 3 and 5. He said, when I refuse to confess my sins, he didn't keep a short list with God. When I refuse to confess my sins, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer's heat. Psalm 32, you read it for yourself, verse 3 and 5. 3 to 5. Whenever you carry this weight through, through this world, you're carrying darkness with you. You're carrying shame with you. You're carrying resentment with you. You're carrying guilt with you. Find, get free of it. Get free of it. It's one of the best things you could do to love yourself is set yourself and others free by living close and clean. If you don't know what to pray for me, just just any any morning, God just puts you on my mind, driving down the road, and I hope He does. Uh, you know, it, it's this. Keep Mike close and clean. Close to you, God, and clean of sin. Number four, and this may seem a little bit out of place, but I think it fits perfectly in place. Live generously. Again, we're talking about loving self, right? So in self, was like spend more on yourself. Don't give. Don't give. Where, where, where did you come from? Again, remember, we're reading this purely in the context of this passage of Scripture. We self-medicate ourselves constantly in America. We medicate, medicate, medicate. 
by spending on ourself and self and self. Listen, and who doesn't love a good shopping trip? Who doesn't love a good vacation? Nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes greater than our generosity, there's a different story there. And sometimes we are so consumed with spending on self that we don't have any to be generous with. Let's bring generosity back in and let's learn to live generously in other people's lives. I don't know if you realize this, but the word miser and the word miserable come from the same root word. Miser, miserable, same root word. So he comes to verse 9 and verse 10. And listen, this is a new thought. Exodus 23, 34, Deuteronomy 26 all point back to the same very principle. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, I thank God that my mother taught me when I was a kid making $7 a week cleaning up her beauty shop. She taught me to tithe in the very beginning. I've never stopped it since then. And this is what a father is teaching his son. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Here's the promise. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The scripture also says that I've never seen the righteous forsaking nor his children begging for bread. See, when I do what's right and I'm generous with what God has given to me, given to me, and I'm blessing others with what, and I'm blessing His work with, listen, God is going to use and bless me back. I can never outgive Him. I can never do it. And you could put any number of things out there. You want to find a here, here's how you love yourself is that you find a deeper joy in giving than in receiving. When you do that, you're on your way. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 20, uh, 25 says it like this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I'll tell you about a story. When Lori and I moved to Africa back a number of years ago, we had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. We moved there. I thought we were going to go for the rest of our life. And God, obviously, we're here now, 11 and a half years later, uh, and He changed His changed his direction for us or we understood his direction better but when we moved to Africa we thought we were going to be there for the rest of our life we thought we were going to be the savior of the Africa uh, 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 of, of Zambia of the Tonga people we thought we were God's answer to the people we, we had some amazing adventures while we were there going to villages and places and I can remember one time uh, being in this village called Mapatija it's an amethyst mining village and some of the villagers uh, had brought another man from another village and they had invited us to go to their village so that we could share with them the message of Jesus. And and we were all about that, so we loaded up and said, now, hey, by the way, you won't be able to drive all the way there. And so we drove as far as we could go on this little two on this little walking path until we got to the edge of the mountain. And he says, okay, we've got to stop here. And then we've got to hike up this mountain and then the village will be there. About 45 minutes later, climbing to the top, we got there, we got to the village. There was only about, about 50 people that lived in this village. This village didn't even have a name. To this day, I don't know the name of this village. It was just, a, just families living together. And so I asked them, I said, how many of y'all have a Bible? Let's talk about stories from the Bible. They didn't even know what a Bible was. Again, we were thinking we were going to be the saviors of Africa. Here we are, we're going to be the saviors of Africa. You know what? We're sitting there, and they didn't know the story of Jesus, and they didn't know the story of Adam and Eve. So we just started at the beginning. In a matter of spending a half day there, we, we, we talked through the Bible. We, we talked through Adam and Eve. We talked through the Old Testament. We talked all the way up to the story of Christ. 
At the end of the day, before we left, they came and they brought me a village chicken. Unless you've been to Africa, you don't know what a village chicken is. It looks like an anemic, sick animal that was supposed to be in in a good day a chicken. And they get but they gave me their very best. And so I took it and we walked off and, and we went on. Now I tell you what, I wish I could sit here today and tell you that that village came to know Christ. I never went back to that village again. I found 15, 20 other villages just like it. And there was something that happened inside of us whenever we realized that we couldn't hit all those villages. We'd never make it to all those villages. We'd never be able to spend enough time in all those villages. These villages are unknown and unnamed. And we were so overwhelmed. And about that time, God began to lead us back to America. Why? Why back to America? Whenever there's so much of a need there and to this day, sometimes I scratch my head and wonder why. We were giving. We were, we were refreshing them. But I can tell you right now, those four years of our life were some of the most life-transforming years of our life. You take our little three-year-old and our little five-year-old and our, and our baby Joshua that was born over there, and they'll tell you right now, those were the years that marked our life. We gave up color television. We gave up movies and shopping malls. And we gave up a lot of the conveniences of the world that we used to love ourselves with. And we started giving. I'm not saying all this to, to promote us. But I'm saying that when we were giving, we were actually, as we were refreshing, we were being refreshed. See, there, there's a, there, is a, there is a complex system out there called God's system that we don't live in very often. But if we will, we will experience the joy of generosity that comes with generosity. The joy of loving others while we love ourselves. We can love each other more fully because we love ourselves. That only happens because we're in a relationship, trusting relationship with God Almighty. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. The band's going to sing over us today. We're not going to ask you to stand. We just want you to listen. Prayerfully, prayerfully listen. Because for some of you, you're carrying such baggage, you can't love someone else because you don't even love yourself. You're carrying resentment and guilt and shame. You have a hard time loving anybody. I want to encourage you right now to enter into a trust relationship with God. Know Him fully. Experience Him on a spiritual level out loving yourself free to love others. Say something like this to God. God, I, I, I recognize you as the forgiver and the giver of life. The forgiver of sins and the giver of life. And I want you, Lord. I want to follow you, Lord. I want to be free to follow you, Lord. I want character that will be a legacy for the next generation. I want to trust you, Lord. And I'm not trusting you. I'm trying to be God myself. I want to run from sin, not turn towards sin. I want to be close and clean, God. I want to learn to give more freely. I want to refresh others so that I in turn will be refreshed.